Hi, I'm Anna Delaney, Director of Productions at ISMG. Privilege access is the portal to an organization's most valuable assets and is at the core of nearly every major security breach today. So what can be done about this recurring challenge? With me to ponder this question is David Boda, Group Head of Information Security at Camelot, which is the operator of the UK National Lottery. Thanks for joining me, David. Hey, Anna. Great to be with you today. Thanks for inviting me. So, David, I want to revisit the Twitter hacking incident that, that took place a few weeks ago now, but it demonstrates a tactic that criminals often use. The hackers targeted a small number of employees through a phone spear phishing attack, essentially exploiting human vulnerabilities to gain privilege access. I want to pick this apart a bit. What questions would you be asking in this situation? Uh, it's a great question. So. I think firstly, it's important to, to prefix my response to your question by recognizing that the InfoSec team at Twitter probably had a, a really rough few weeks. And as a security community, we should probably be supporting them if, if we're in a position to do so and, and certainly learning lessons together for sure. But without knowing the full facts, we should be careful about giving an opinion on, on Twitter's own security program. But what has been reported publicly, if I were in that position, I guess I'd, I'd first gain the assurance that the full extent of the incident was understood uh, and we've got clarity on, on how the incident happened. I'll probably be reviewing the security program to ensure that where investment was being targeted, uh, it was being targeted still in the areas of greatest risk to the business. And in all likelihood, there'll be a range of enhancements, some, some already known and some that were not previously on the agenda that will come to light as a result of, of most security incidents such as this one, right? I'd also be balancing asking questions with a lot of listening, both to customers, colleagues and, and other stakeholders in the business to ensure their views were heard, and also to the extent possible that there was effective communication back out to be as transparent as possible about what actually happens and what was being done about it. And I guess I'd also be honest, no one would ever expect that they would be tricked into falling for any type of social engineering. And social engineering attacks are designed to exploit human psychology, so of course we're all vulnerable. In a situation like Twitter found themselves in, I imagine you would also want to look again at the effectiveness of any awareness or behavioural change programmes in place too. But I think those would be the, the kind of things that would be going through my mind. The attack does raise questions about privilege access management because attackers consistently target accounts with privilege access. Perhaps with reference to your own experience, what are your recommendations when it comes to PAM and how to thwart breaches involving privilege access credentials? So before tackling privilege access in an organisation, my own experience would, would suggest that you first need to have a solid, solid foundations with good identity and access management. Right, so, so PAM is a subset of that, and, and it's also dependent on it. Um, if, you, if you start with PAM, possibly you're not starting in the right place. So to, to bring that to life a bit, if you don't have a good identity lifecycle process in place, then it's going to be difficult to make sure privileged access is revoked for movers and leaves in a timely manner, for example. But once you've got those foundations in place, when you're ready to look at privileged access, it's important to remember there are often more machine-to-machine privileged access accounts in a given environment, such as service accounts or similar, then there is direct human privilege access. And the ways to manage risk of each are potentially different. Focusing in on, on human privilege access though, there, there are variations here too. You might first look at local administrative access to an end user device, an administrative access to a server or, or instances, uh, or, or to network devices or to databases or applications. And, and there's a number of controls you might use to help manage your risk. It's important to highlight here that you don't necessarily need every control at every layer of the technology stack. Defense in depth is clearly a, a good thing, but it's also important to remember to be proportionate in where security controls are placed. Examples of the controls you might use include implementing things like segregation of duties, 
Um, so a single individual or team do not have privileged access in multiple places that collectively would allow them to bypass all the different preventative and detective controls in place against a given risk. Um, and that's something I spent a lot of time on trying to get right. Um, you might also implement technical controls using things like automated credential rotation or privileged session screen recording. Another area an organization might look at is who they choose to place their trust in and making use of personnel betting programs, for example. You also asked about breaches involving privileged credentials and, and, and I feel the principles here are similar for other credential-based attacks. Clearly using multi-factor authentication if possible is, is a good thing. Using unique and strong passwords if you have to use knowledge-based authentication at all um, and, and you can't go passwordless, which, which is, a, is a good direction of travel if possible. In addition, doing things like trying to isolate privileged access from standard access by doing things like not allowing privileged accounts direct access to the internet, like Flowway, for example. I guess that's a run through in terms of, yeah, at a high level, the, the kind of PAM, PAM type considerations that, that I've been thinking about. And when it comes to IAM, are there any technologies that particularly impress you at the moment? What Microsoft has done with Active Directory, which is obviously quite quite common across many organisations recently, has been particularly impressive. And the way that you know Microsoft internally have gone passwordless to get around all the different problems with, with knowledge-based authentication is also the direction of travel for the future. I think some of the identity as a service platforms are, are particularly good, but I think only a, a subset of them really stand up to the challenge uh, to be used for, for customer authentication. Others may be more suited to internal authentication for what I've seen, but there are some, you know, some, some clever, clever things out there um, at the moment. And what about the watchers of the watchers? I'm keen to know your thoughts on management overview and to what extent organisations should be watching privileged admins and how they should do so. So this is a fascinating area of information security and, 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 and probably, probably, probably my favourite area, if I'm honest, one, one that, that, that I spent a lot of time on. And, and, and it's one of the way it's rare to see uh, being implemented well outside parts of maybe financial services, pharmaceuticals or, or secure areas of the government. Often you might see an organization have some monitoring of account activity to check out those accounts that haven't been compromised through cyber attack. But in organizations where the risk requires it, you might want a more comprehensive inside effect program. Few people, I would suggest, would argue against the concepts and monitoring what colleagues are doing for reasons of security and fraud prevention. But legally and also ethically, it's a, it's a far from a simple task to strike the right balance between security and privacy when setting up monitoring. So it's important to engage from the outset with colleagues from the privacy and legal teams. I think it was probably one of the hardest tasks that, that I had to do to write GDPR legitimate impact assessment for balancing security and privacy trade-offs in our own program uh, at Camelot. It's a really difficult balance to strike. But once you sort through the illegal and ethical issues fully, then you've got the challenge of being able to understand whether those privileged users are doing uh, legitimate things or suspicious things. And that could range from looking at whether a a customer support agent's query to a customer administration portal is looking for the details of a customer that has just started maybe a web chat session with the organization or or whether they're doing something a little more nefarious you know against security policy that in theory is quite a relatively simple thing to do but you know actually underneath the bonnet of that you have to consume different logs from different systems and correlate them together to be able to make that determination and then you have to recognize the limitations of automation right so sometimes you're going to need that manual view to, to have a look at privileged access and often that's going to have to be someone who's comfortable looking at, at these different areas of subject matter expertise so they're going to have to be someone that maybe could look at commands that a network engineer has been run, running on a switch one minute an sql query that a dba is running against the database the next and 
then maybe try and have to decipher the various transaction codes that have just been executed on the SAC instance. That, that's quite a difficult thing to do. And baselining normal privileged activity on the network and then automating certain controls is only really going to take you so far. So there's certainly a, a level of skill and understanding of the domain that the, the, the people working on monitoring privileged access are going are to have to have. You also might want to focus your monitoring on roles that are assessed to be higher risk, maybe, just to help you prioritise where to place your efforts. Together with most other aspects of an insider threat programme, a really close relationship with with your HR team is, is really essential. And I guess those would be the key points, but this is this is an area that, that that's quite expansive. And, and I'd encourage people that are interested in it to maybe look at things like the uh, Homer guidance from, from CPNI, the part of the UK government, as a, as a good starting point. Twitter, in response to the hack, said it was working to improve preventing and detecting inappropriate access to its systems. But some say this was as a result of a build-up of technical debt. The truth aside, what's your advice to companies that have a build-up of technical debt? Have you any of your own challenges around this to share? For sure, right? So, so clearly, uh, you know, we don't have insight into where Twitter are at, but, but I think uh, the concept of technical or, or security debt is a concept likely familiar to most CISOs in, in most organisations. Um, it might be anything from a, a minor bug that was left for the next release, uh, you know, a legacy server that couldn't quite be upgraded, or the ticket to upgrade the third-party library dependency that never quite made it into the, the latest development sprint. There's many examples of challenges in this space. Personally, I think there are a few different things that you know that's worth a try. To, some of which you know that have worked worked for me, and some of which haven't. But it depends on the organisation culture. Clearly, first is paying technical debt forward, and and what I mean by that is is leveraging initiatives or projects the business are working on to help implement some of the more forward leaning security features or areas of improvement that you need to implement as part of the security program. The second is being clear on the priority of technical debt and and the associated risk. So with whatever investment that can be secured, it's used to best effects, and that's really key. And I personally feel it's part of the CISO's job to, to start the debate and the debates that the rest of the business just aren't having. So if colleagues aren't talking about how to effectively minimise technical debt, a significant percentage of which is, is likely to increase security risk, then the information security team should, should start and help facilitate that discussion. And I'll personally argue it's a job of an effective uh, security team to help make the business case for investment in technical debt if that case isn't being made by colleagues. Clearly, probably not the most sexy of business cases to write, but an important one nonetheless. And finally, David, what are the key takeaways for you from this hack? And, and what do you feel businesses can learn from the incident? So I think there's a good takeaway here around the recognition that, that we're all human and however good an organization's security culture we're all susceptible to manipulation through social engineering in, in its various forms. Um, security professionals should clearly look to minimise you know, that risk through awareness raising, but also recognise the limitations of, of that approach and, and look to manage uh, the various risks in other ways, also through, through uh, procedural and, and technical controls that, that, that one might put in place. I also thought that Twitter actually handled this incident quite well. They communicated clearly and transparently and and they also one would assume must have, have worked very effectively with law enforcement to be in that position to con confidently attribute and the attacks and, and secure arrests so quickly so that so there's some good instant response related lessons there for other businesses to draw on also great well david thank you so much for your time and insight today it's been great speaking with you Thanks, Anna. Appreciate it. Once again, I've been speaking with the Global Head of Information Security for Camelot, David Boda, and for Information Security Media Group, I'm Anna Delaney.